Get together, Fenton. All right. <laughs> hey, everybody. How we doing? My name is Brace Harris. And I am Victoria Fenton. And we are... Oh, almost unveil. Lovely. <laughs> Welcome to episode... Oh, God knows. Whatever number Perfect. it says in your podcast app of choice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We just, just let it be what let it, it is. Let it be, yeah. Wonderful. Well, guys, uh, today it's a, a balmy 80, how, what do you say, oh, 86, 87 degrees so here. So my Brits, that's De- 30 degrees Celsius. Yeah, December 1st here in Southern California, <laughs> beautiful Los Angeles. And Victoria's uh, having like schisms of her brain thinking, how is December this hot? Yes, her her body's not computing right now. No, and I was pre-warned by a client uh, this morning that I needed to prepare myself for two weeks' time when I was back in the UK because it was minus three degrees Celsius in their car this morning, which is 33 degrees different, which is a lot. And I can't convert to Fahrenheit for you guys, but a lot. There's an equation out there somewhere, I There think. is, like some yeah, math I, I think I learned it when I was uh, in elementary school, but... It's one of those things that you learn and then quickly forget Promptly unless you're forget. just properly using it all the time. Which we're not. Great. But speaking about something we can use all the time, <laughs> what is our amazing subject for discussion today? We are talking about the meaning of meaning. Ooh, the meaning of meaning. Yeah. And so we aren't actually now out of order. We have been out of order for a long time, but now we're recording in order, despite the fact that we can't actually remember numbers. Uh, <laughs> So last, last time we spoke, we were discussing purpose. Yes, we were. And within our purpose podcast, we used the word meaning a whole heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. And we described basically life meanings, didn't we? We were talking about the meaning of the meaning we give to life, the meaning we take from life and all yes. of that kind of stuff. And we were discussing it in the context of achieving purpose or purpose as a concomitant whole of meaning and vocation and all of the things that we discussed last time i've never heard the word concomitant before <laughs> well this is funny but i slowed down because I, I saw your blankness knew. and i was like no I just there was made no there was ladies and gentlemen there's no blankness <laughs> it was complete and utter perfect attention <laughs> and just was misread i don't know wow <laughs> wow okay so so well yes. speaking about that, that's no, actually a it, fascinating it was, intro conscious was like i knew exactly what you were right. what you were saying and then i had the thought how do I learn words like that? <laughs> can, where, can I, where did I go wrong? Can I drink a dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you like accused me of labeling your blankness wrong because it's great insight into today's topic. Ooh, look oh, look at you. Segue. Tying them together. Okay, go for it. Well, it's just interesting because I attributed a meaning to your look of genuine thought process. Behind your eyes was this kind of like like spaciousness and you were going oh I know exactly what that means and how can I learn more words and I just went yeah he's like that's total nonsense oh no so I attributed a meaning uh that wasn't what was happening exactly and we do this all the time Mm. all of us everybody it's kind of the way that we're programmed would you say that we're programmed that way I think it's very definitely um because our brains are computers that have to make sense of things like uh-huh. it's not like we can wander around accepting this kind of uncertainty or vagueness very much we have to rationalize what is happening in our lives because if we can't rationalize it we can't move through it or quote unquote past it well yeah and we can't respond towards it appropriately ah uh, and that's probably what it is more than anything it's like we have to respond so we have to come up with 
what the stimulus means for us and then respond accordingly to what keeps us safe. Right. And I really love what you just said and the way you said it, because it's like we have to respond according to what it means to us. Us. Yes. And that's the huge thing about all of this. So we're going to get into the weeds today, probably. But I want to like really back up and lay the groundwork for this conversation in how important this is. Mm. So everything we do isn't stimulus response. It isn't. It's Mm -hmm. stimulus rationalized or judgmentation meaning response right and whether that middle phase is a cognitive conscious analysis of a process or whether it's an instinctive computational mechanism that happens entirely unconsciously is sort of immaterial it isn't stimulus response it's stimulus what sort of web of patterning and programming does that fall into Mm -hmm. therefore what does that stimulus mean Mm -hmm. therefore how do we respond Got it. So you would need an intelligence in order to kind of work out those, that middle part. Mm. And then again, your intelligence is specific to you. Right. Based on your past experiences and everything. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to actually- dynamics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's interesting to stop and go, okay, so literally nothing is without meaning. Like nothing. So you walk into a room and like if anybody's on YouTube, we're sat here, there's a computer, there's some water, there's a table. But this table has no meaning to me, but I learned from my Airbnb host that it's a library table. I have no idea what that means, but there's great big huge bottom drawers, which I can now think, well, maybe big books and stuff like that. I don't know. But it didn't have library table meaning to me until somebody said it's a library table. Right. So I think that it's very impactful to understand that it's... this meaning is so intrinsic that it's almost unquestioned and within that nexus is Mm -hmm. how powerful this is yes and it's our goal today to really get into it and show you how much power you actually have over it Mm -hmm. when our whole life we've just moved through thinking this is just the way that it is and that's not a fact Mm mm-hmm (laughs) because <laughs> we're going to get into facts and truth and all that here in a little bit. Mm. So, yes. So, like, there are certain things which are facts. Let's let's go there now. Facts are facts. Okay. Okay, so what is a fact? I mean, it's very difficult to actually think of a fact because I've just pointed out this mm-hmm. is a table. That's a fact. Well, is it? Because <laughs> to, you know, it's it's only a table to us because of the way that our senses bring in information. And mm-hmm. that's the way we, we rationalize it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's a table, which is a fact, um, but only for us mm-hmm. to, you know, a different type of creature that can't actually use its eyes or a touch or anything to, it may just be a bunch of atoms that have organized themselves in a very specific manner. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point because meaning and language go together. They dovetail oh, yeah. together. Yeah. And so we tapped into this with purpose as well. Right. Yeah. And as soon as you can name something, it has associations. Yes. And as soon as there are associations, there's a meaning which has a legacy. It has a depth. Mm. So when we're like taking experiences that happen to us, um, it, it's like there's the surface layer of what's actually happening. And there's, you know, 
the layers of context underneath mm-hmm. and then there's how we're relating to it and therefore what we make that mean and what we think it makes the event mean. Like, I mean, we might as well use this example because it's the only thing that's coming to my brain. I had a rather crazy experience in Hollywood last <laughs> night. I'm not going to go into the details of it because it was flipping crazy but suffice to say four police cars and a, and a fire engine later like it was just a bit insane but I messaged you kind of jokingly saying I've seen more life in Hollywood in the last hour than I have done in three months but your instinct because I'd alluded to what was going on was oh my god Victoria's in trouble are you okay are you okay and I'd sort of been like taking it in one way but clearly said in another way or taken in another way four police cars and a fire engine it's like oh shit what's going down yeah i can only interpret with the data the context that i have right provided to me right and your knowledge of the the bad stuff that can go on in hollywood (laughs) so it's like oh my god is victoria being held at knife point well would she be texting me if she was right but all of this is like I could have taken that event and we can all take any event in a myriad of different ways. And I was actually surprised at the way I took it last night. But a lot of that was off the back of work that I'd been doing, the way I changed my approach to Hollywood itself before the event happened, because it was late at night in a dark place and, you know, I'm a single female. So I'd already got myself into a stronger position and therefore I changed what anything was able to mean about me. Mm -hmm. And the bit that I changed in that was that middle layer of processing milieu, if you like, that kind of context. So it could have meant what? Well, it could have meant anything. I could have been really threatened. I could have... Well, and that's, and I love that you said it could have meant anything. Yeah. Depending on who, if someone else had been there, it could have meant something completely different for them. Right. And I think, you know, and even a different me in a different headspace. Oh, yeah. I could have been like jumping in an Uber to come to where you were, which wasn't very far away, and Mm -hmm. be like, please rescue me. Um, I could have been like in any other space, but because of the space I was in, I was actually laughing about it. Um, and I think all of it, but I wasn't the only person on the on the sidewalk, obviously, it's Hollywood. Right. Um, and I definitely was taking it in a very different way to other people. There was a lot of horror, there was a lot of shock, there was a lot of like, like moral outrage. And I was actually killing myself laughing and just <laughs> trying to like, <laughs> I ended up trying to direct traffic in an intersection because I was just like, people, like work it out. Right. But... That whole ability to do things. And we often admire people who keep their cool in situations that we would lose our shit in, basically. Mm -hmm. This is the difference. It's where are people attributing meaning? And in the situation that we're talking about at the moment, you know, potential danger, fear, threat. I didn't attribute any of that to the situation. And that was all a me thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed about the external environment and the facts of what was happening before me. Got it. So this is the landscape of meaning because in essence anything can be anything depending on how we perceive it right so basically the story that you're attaching to whatever is happening Love that. gets to be your story yes. it is specific to you mm-hmm. and not specific to anyone else but for you it is the truth and this is you know what we were talking about earlier with truth and, and facts, because my truth may be different from, you know, someone else's truth. And, mm. you know, it's been evident throughout history that one person's truth is definitely not another person's truth. And there have been fought many, many wars, many 
horrible things have happened because my truth is not your truth. And now every day today, everyone's like, oh, I'm speaking my truth, you know, and it's like, okay, we can honor that up to a point Mm -hmm. until your truth starts to invade on Mm -hmm. my or impede on my rights, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other set of conversation. But a fact is like gravity exists. That is a fact. Mm -hmm. There is nothing about anything that we will ever be able to change about that is like a law. It's a constant. It Yes! Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Constant. Love but, it. And, and the, 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 the beautiful part about all of this is that it shows us how changing ourselves changes everything about the world around us. Not the constants, not gravity. I'm yep. not suddenly going to yeah. like alter gravitational force <laughs> unless I you know, go into some G, G-force chamber and all that kind of jazz. Right. Um, but everything about the way we attribute meaning means that we can transform the way we experience life. Exactly. So you can actually change the story that you have mm-hmm. attached to experiences in your life. Mm. And that's where we, as human beings, tend to get tripped up and why we carry certain behaviors and certain ways of looking at things mm. throughout our entire lives. And, and a lot of the times tend to wonder why mm-hmm. we do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is one of the main reasons why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of what we're making it mean. Because what we're making it mean. Exactly. And the the truth about all of this is it's super personal. So you were talking about my truth, your truth, the truth. Right. Truth is subjective. It has to be. Yes. Because truth emanates from not just a single state. It, it, there is no truth in the moment. Mm-hmm. Even the people who are the most Zen Buddhic in the world and all that kind of stuff, their truth in the moment, I mean, maybe, I have no idea, but their truth in the moment is still truth in the moment given the, everything that right. led up to that moment. Always influenced by their own personal experience. Right. And yeah. so when we're talking about where these... so. We were talking about meaning and I mentioned the word value judgments. And I mm-hmm. and that is essentially attributing a, a a value, a better, worse, good, bad, a you know, up, down, if you like, yes. to a situation. Mm-hmm. Those things are always based on historic experience, our biases, which often emanate from our upbringing, our schooling, yes. culture, culture, society. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff filters into where we feel is good and bad or better, worse, all of that kind of stuff. And we had the example when we were speaking about, you know, um, over time, even in the same uh, country, pale skin and tan skin has come to mean different things yes. based on whether you're kind of rich and locked away or working in the fields, whereas now a tan is, you know, particularly in LA, if you Desirable. don't have a spray tan, you're like the odd one out. Um and, and same with uh, body weight and shape. It's like yes. being plump used to be like the great thing. childbearing. Y- yes. And now everyone needs to be stick thin. And now everyone needs to be kind of muscly. And it all becomes these kind of value judgments, which are a little bit personal. But those ones all fall into the societally acceptable mm-hmm. kind of realm. Which we all fall into because we all want to be accepted yep. by the tribe. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. if you're accepted by the tribe, you live. If you're not accepted by the tribe... Well, back in the ancient times, you passed. Well, and still you do now, to be honest. I mean, so there's all this um, Darwinism survival of the fittest, but actually it wasn't just survival of the fittest. It was survival of the fittest who also worked with other people. Mm. Because there's that old stage, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to go the furthest, go together. Or something along those lines. It's like you have to be in collaboration because community is better than one. 
That's right. But so we were talking about perception and we came up with a few ways to like allow people to really understand that their perception is unique. And you were talking about science and the science of measurement. Yes. Well, and this is this is one of the, the cool parallels that I like to attribute to how we perceive the world and the stories that we create specific. So, I mean, just in science, at the quantum level, you know, they've done the, and everybody's probably heard of the experiment where they, uh, you know, an electron can be a point or a wave. Mm-hmm. When we're not measuring it, it's both and, <laughs> and when we measure it, it becomes one or the other. And that and shows depending. you how powerful measurement is. Yeah, and depending on how we measure it, right. it becomes one or the other. So how you are seeing your world and what is happening in your world, you are taking a measurement and then literally it's good or bad, mm. which is what we, we put a lot of these uh, situations into because we must define them for ourselves mm. so that way we can move forward and we know what to go toward, which is safe, and mm. move away from, which is bad. Mm. Uh, and that's not always true. It's only true for you. Mm. Um, yes, there are some scenarios that are more or less, most people would be like, that's probably an undesirable place to go mm-hmm. or a more desirable place to go. But as far as good and bad, those are just, again, language, words that we've attached to certain scenarios to help us navigate. Well, and again, that's really interesting because it's like you just said, and we all do this. Oh, yeah, there's certain situations that are desirable and certain situations that are undesirable. And I'd still say, but that's just a question of perspective. Well, based on survival, I guess. Okay. Well, and yes. And so there is more threat in certain situations and less threat in other situations. Great. Um, and or more safety in other situations, but again, mm-hmm. the value judgment is more threat equals bad, less right. threat or more safety equals, equals good. good, and or that's more desire equals good, and less and less desirable is the bad, and that's a value judgment. That's a meaning attribution because right. ultimately, all that's there is oh, there's more threat in this situation, mm-hmm. or there's more safety in this situation, mm. and we all because we are genetically programmed for survival we all instinctively believe that more threat equals bad how about you change it more threat equals more challenge more survival instinct to come out of me more i mean there are literally people Mm -hmm. who spend money to go out into the wilderness with no food water ability to survive for survival instincts because it it derives something from the human vehicle that we lose in modern society. Mm-hmm. So technically speaking, they're going into a less desirable situation. No food, no water, no tent, mm-hmm. no mosquito spray, and they're in the wilderness. But actually, they're, volu- they're paying considerable sums of cash to do that because they know that the value that comes off the back of that adversity is enormous for their soul. For the individual. Right. Yes. And again, that's beautiful because it, it just reinforces... It's always the individual. Because some people may hear that and be like, that sounds like the most ridiculous thing in the world because we no longer have to be these, uh, you know, outdoorsy survival mm. types. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we do. Maybe well, we should. Maybe we should. Because if. And there are whole schools of thought that would argue that we should. We should yeah. get more in touch with our animalisticness because it will show us stuff. But ultimately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's no truth here. We're just playing with ideas. And yeah. I know this from the yeah. land of nutrition. Like, honestly, you can start a war in a nutrition seminar by saying, ooh, keto is everything, or ooh, you know, eat the potato diet. And it's like, well, um, 
<laughs> there's personalization to this, like personalized medicine. Mm. But there's also, it depends on the situation and the circumstances. I was speaking to a patient today who's a, a cancer patient. And ultimately, it's like, I was trying to say to her, the diet that I put you on when we were speaking years ago is not the diet that's appropriate for you now. You are three or four or five years beyond your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's huge. So it's all to do with the context and the meaning and what is relevant in in any individual's world but we do know that we perceive things differently i mean those viral memes that went around that gold white dress and it looked different to different people right yeah, yeah, gold yeah. White? i can't even remember now but everyone's like oh it's definitely blue or it's definitely gold, gold. Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and then that audio which was yanni or laurel and if people were different because it's just literally the way you're ear can perceive frequency people heard a different thing and it actually for that one turned out to be different if you were younger or older but people would have like fights no it's clearly laurel no it's clearly yanni and it's like well you're just hearing the different thing from the same audio right and to go back to meaning Mm -hmm. the same thing happens Mm -hmm. like those are great examples of like physical like physically we're, we're hearing and perceiving things differently the electrons and yeah. real world real, real world things but it, it translates over to the story that we attach yes and the great thing about it is is that is not necessarily your truth mm-hmm. unless you allow it to be yes and so we have this amazing power to shift those stories mm. for ourselves and to realize that we've been holding on to stories for far too long that no longer serve us mm. and no longer actually make sense for who we want to be mm. and who we know ourselves to be. Mm. And then we get confused like, okay, this is who I know I, myself to be and so on, but I still have this story or meaning attached to this thing or situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So what do we get to do now? Mm. We get to shift those and change them. Um, I, I guess the first step would just becoming aware of your stories. Where are you, you know, where are you having your stories? Where were they born? Where did they come from? And once you have that awareness and understanding of, oh, I am afraid of dogs because when I was little, I was five years old. You know, a dog was trying to get at me. It was on a chain, but it was a very scary experience. And right then and there, I basically made the decision that dogs are scary and I am afraid of dogs. And what actually happened was that a dog was barking at you. For whatever reason, it decided it wanted to bark at you. Then you attached a story to it. And that story became... Dogs are bad. Dogs are scary. Dogs are strong. Dogs are aggressive. That's not true for all dogs. That's not true. Probably wasn't uh, even true for the dog that was trying to bark at you. Yeah. But, but as it's a the six, meaning yeah, the meaning that was attributed. And as a six-year-old, you have an underdeveloped brain that needs to figure out how to survive in the world. And so you basically come up with a story, attach it to dogs. It actually downloads into your subconscious. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes the way that you react to dogs from there on out. Mm -hmm. And what you get to do is not dismiss the fact that dogs may be scary to you, but understand 
initially why they are and then you get to go in and actually change that story because that story is not a fact it's not a constant it was just your truth in that moment but every moment you get to have a new truth for you and so you get to choose what that truth is moving forward and sometimes these truths that we come up with hold us back in many areas of our lives and actually influence and run our lives more than we have ever known that they do. And this is why it's such an important thing to acknowledge as a coach and in coaching. We have, I mean, we have coach jokes between the two of us. And one of the ones that I have is that there is a common coach question, which is, and what does that mean about you? Or, yeah. And it's, it's funny because it's a very American phrase, but actually it's a classic coach question because it has to be. Because you can tell me a really long story. You can take half an hour telling me a story. But if I have no idea of your internal landscape and what all of those things mean to you, I've got no idea what I'm dealing with when you tell me a story. So first off, I'm asking that question because I need to understand your paradigm I need to understand like if you say to me dogs are scary mm-hmm. I, I okay and like what what it's help like, me understand why because what what yes. like an and within that example usually by adulthood you've got into the concept that you shouldn't be scared of dogs because you know dogs aren't scary so what does it mean about you that dogs are scary is nothing to do with the dog anymore it's way more to do with guilt and self-doubt and i should be over this and i i don't understand it i should be better and instantly we're in i shouldn't have this belief and you could should all over yourself yeah but none of that is actually a constant it's literally these stories that we, I should be this, I should do that, I should know better, I should, I should, I should. And these are all connected to stories and the key about for this ourselves is that and people, meaning. Yeah. yeah, and the key is that people don't even think they're thinking it. So, right. and this is why we have this question in coaching, because the event, the story, I mean, I check out quite a lot of the time when people are telling me the story to each individual word. I'm listening beneath the story because mm-hmm. I'm listening to the way they tell me their truth, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, sorry for podcast listeners, I'm doing inverted commas. I listen for the way people are telling me their truth because that reveals way more about how they feel about the truth as they experienced it than necessarily the narrative that I'm following along with as they're trying to explore the scenario. Um, And a big part of the what what are you making that mean about you question is helping clients or anybody, friends or whatever, to explore the value judgments they've attributed alongside their narrative. And a lot of the times that question, people don't know how to respond to it. Mm. They're like, what do you mean? What does it mean about me? Because they're so unconscious that alongside their story, there is a ton of self assessment that has gone along with that. So X happened and it becomes this championing narrative of like, yeah. this happened to me. And it depends what you're talking about, but oftentimes people go, I was a victim of this thing and this thing and this thing. And it's like, but like particularly everything that I can think of actually, like when people have been a victim of credit card fraud, it's like people have this kind of attachment to it. It's like, how could that happen to me? It's like, well, what does, Why? That, mean? What does that mean about you? Like, what, yeah. what are you making it mean? It doesn't mean you're irresponsible. It means that people are good at credit card fraud. But yeah. if you're making it mean yeah. that you're irresponsible or you've been <laughs> careless or you're, you've literally had something happen to you. And you've judged yourself and you've, and a, you've passed sentence on yourself. And therefore, yeah. from there on out, 
you are a fool who can, can you can't get take, keep yourself safe. Yeah, right. Get taken advantage of so easily. I'm so naive, yeah. and it's like that's not that's not it's not the truth. truth. And it's and I see this a lot with technology, particularly in the older generation, where people are like, you know, I. Uh, I can't do computer stuff. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And not even that. I think more, particularly Mm -hmm. the slightly older generation, Mm -hmm. feel guilty that they're not as competent on tech as younger people. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to throw you under the bus a bit here, right? (laughs) But you're like, I should be able to do this. I should be able to do that with certain things. Like, which I grew... I mean, we're not that far apart in age, but I grew up with this being part of my schooling technology and being quick and having to get... And it's the on-ramp for other people is huge. And people make it mean something about them as if it's some kind of hugely negative thing. And it's not, it's just generational. Yeah, I mean, just because I'm not up on the tech is literally a choice because I really don't give a don't rip. Care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. If I wanted to learn it, I know I could learn it. All right. But I just can't be bothered. Right, and that I love from you. But from I, I know other people who have this, oh, I really should be able to do this. I should be able to. I should be able to. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why? Like, Yeah, and then that keeps compounding because there's a million other stories that they have established throughout their life that are adding point. to that. Great point. And that's the huge thing. It's like a lot of us arrive at this place of a self-worth thing of like not having enough self-worth and then everything becomes affirmative to that original judgment. Yes. And so you end up like down the line, a million value judgments away from the original core, which tends to have been something that happened way younger, you know, way, way younger. Grace <laughs> is just looking at me. It's just, like we were, we were like, okay, who's who's gonna say something next? Oh, it's <laughs> it's quite well because I'm I'm away from our whiteboard. We are very away from where we ended up. But however, what is relevant to talk about now is how to change, how to change yeah. these things. And this is the fun part. This is where your transformation gets to start with you. Hmm. And the the. The first point, yes, is awareness, but second is recognizing that everything is mutable. And this I spend a lot, we talked about this in a bit in the Purpose podcast, we've spoken about this before, and we spoke about this slightly earlier on. Mm -hmm. It's like, just because you're in a state of more threat at this moment in time, your assertion that that's negative or bad is a meaning. Like, how about we change that to an opportunity? Mm-hmm. And that little shift, changing challenge to opportunity, changing stress mm-hmm. to potential, changing mm-hmm. adversity to what's going to happen here, possibility. Yes. All of that transforms absolutely every single second that you yeah. live through. I'll give you guys a, a little uh, exercise that you can do at home. Um, change your have tos into something different. Just, and we're going to, language is big in this. It's like, I have to take out the trash. I have to. Ugh. When you say it like that, it feels like a big old pain in the rear and not so much fun. And then change it to, I choose to. I choose to take out the trash. Oh, then it has a different energy that is attached to it. I choose to take out the trash. And then you can justify that in a million different ways. I choose to take out the trash because I love my family. I choose to take out the trash because I want my place to smell good. I choose to take out the trash because I actually have some place that I can take my trash and dump it into as opposed to no place to take it. I And just whatever works for you. And then I get to. It's like I get to do this. I, I am blessed to, you know, or I'm fortunate enough to. It's like, see how 
we go from I have to, I have to take out the trash to wow, I'm fortunate to get to take out my trash and see how that feels energetically in your body. Just a little, a little thing. It's like you're literally changing your story and changing the meaning of what taking out the trash means for you. It went from this chore, this thing that I am being punished with to, oh, wow, what a gift. Wow. You just, I mean, and that is a very simple example of how we get to change our stories. And then we can do these on much deeper, much more intense uh, even traumatic levels mm. and and start to reframe and shift shift the way that we we're thinking about our world mm. and I think the the other thing to say is that if you can't get to venerating the trash scenario hmm. um, I always think about what else is happening so you're never just taking out the trash say it's a complicated you know walk to get your trash to wherever it's got to be right if you've got kids and they're running around rampant inside your house i get to take a break from my kids as i take (laughs) you're never just doing one thing you know um a lot of people said to me when i moved to la oh my god all the driving all the driving it's everywhere you have to drive it's like i love driving Mm -hmm. i love listening to the podcasts that i listen to whilst i'm driving Mm -hmm. i love the fact that I don't actually have a place here where I can sing at the top of my lungs because I'm, <laughs> but I can in my car on the freeway. Yeah. Like everything about the traffic in LA, which everyone whinges about, is a bonus add to me because of the way I framed it in my nervous system, which is more time to do shit that I like doing. Yeah. What is? Who was it? Was it Eckhart Tolle who was like, "Don't wait in traffic." Don't wait in traffic. Like you're literally going to sit there spending energy in the mode or of waiting. Mm -hmm. It's like you're in traffic. Just be in traffic Mm -hmm. and then sing your songs. Do your, listen to your podcast. Call people up. I mean, the the technology. All my phone calls are made when I'm in the car. car. Yeah. And the whole thing about um, all of this isn't that you need to make it, it, there's two things. One, you don't need to make things not have any meaning. Right. Because nothing can be meaningless. We are meaning-deriving creatures. Mm-hmm. But it's about how we navigate the things to ensure that we're always embracing the potential within the moments rather than lamenting the downsides. Because it's, you know, I love being here when I take out the trash. It's always warm because it's still a warm evening. And I get, I, every time I do it, I walk out and I want, want I, I'm just like, how is it this warm this time of night? I love being here every single time. Um, and there is that potential to create a different meaning. Mm. And, you know, we're talking on very much the surface level here. So let's wind into deeper things. So when we're talking about meaning, of adult chores. Adulting sucks sometimes, <laughs> and that's just one thing. But a lot of the meaning we're attributing to things is stored way deeper than yeah. in this kind of like vague resentment of tasks. Right. And so we're actually talking that things are stored on a somatic level. So mm-hmm. they're stored in the body. Yes. And these are the meanings that make much more difference to question. We know why we don't like taking out the trash, but do you know why every time you see a female authority figure, you feel that, oh, like I need to push them off 
well, that's interesting. That's a web of kind of, what, what, what does that female authority figure mean to you? Where is the struggle? And you get to look and you get to understand that most likely the, the sensation that you're getting in your body in response to that person is laid down deep within your somatic meaning attribution to some kind of experience in your childhood. Yeah. And you get to understand it. And even if you don't get to fully um, like delineate exactly where it comes from, you get to physically release that attachment that you have to that archetype because it's all just archetypes showing up in and your the attachment, landscape. Yeah, the attachment that you have to the meaning that you've attached to a female authority authority figure. Yeah, and 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 the judgments you make about yourself because you know you have it and you know you probably shouldn't, quote unquote, shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And there's just this, which leads uh, into other things and other things and shame and anger and yes. like all kinds of stuff, and yeah. which doesn't ever lead to a I don't want to say good or bad, but desired, undesired, right? You know, path. Yeah, and it's you know, it could be argued that we're talking in paradoxes. Somewhat. So, like, oh well, what you're saying by take out the trash and like value it is that your meaning needs to be good it's like well okay you, we could take this to the nth degree where we need to get to the point where nothing has to mean anything and then we're totally in this kind of like i said earlier this zen state of nothingness mm-hmm. and yet being human you have a choice as to how you want to live inside your world yes you get to realize that this complexity that is life can be lived in a multitude of different ways, even in the same experience. And then it becomes, what do you choose to hold on to? Yeah. And for me, the energetic frequency of joy is so much nicer to live inside than resentment, bitterness, anger, frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a better vibration. Right. I mean, even going, again, going back to the quantum world, we're talking about entanglement, where uh, an atom can be in two places at the same time. We're talking about um, literally quarks and all that. And then below quarks there, I mean, you get into string theory and, you know, in string theory, there are certain vibrations. Everything is vibrating at a teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny quantum level. And joy has a different vibration than sadness, anger, all that. And that vibration actually works better with the way that the physical world operates and it's so you can look at for you can look in many different areas for this vibrational science Mm -hmm. um Derek Hawkins has a lot of uh vibrational frequency measurements around words um and there are particularly within the health kinesiology world applied kinesiology there's a whole level of checking the vibrational frequency on a scale that's been attributed by other people but the vibrational frequency of words and the words that vibrates at the highest frequency is love is this the plant experiment where or where they say you know oh, you it's, can, yeah you it's can something you do in elementary school and you can like put like negativity towards it and but you know when i and was the plants that get the love words grow, grow and then the ones that get the negative words don't. die quicker yes. yeah and and we do this we, well i used to do this a lot more than i do now just because of you know habit um but when i was certainly in the beginning of my illness and probably beforehand actually we used to put words underneath water jugs so that we mm. pattern the water with the vibrational frequency yeah and then you just there's actually a a, a line of a water 
like bottled water that does that as well. Well, that's interesting. And that probably they charge you a gazillion pounds for, but literally yeah. just write it on a piece of paper, guys, and put it under a jug of water. <laughs> and But they, I mean, you can get into the complexity of this where mm. they have literal almost magnets that vortex the energy. You mm. don't need to do that because everything has a vibration. And so the real... Hmm, oh, I'm so not going to go here, but I am going to go here. The real reason... I do what I do in my world and in life is because I know the power of vibrational frequency. Mm-hmm. It's the deepest thing I have. It's why I'm a musician. It's why it's important to me that I get my time in the car when I'm blasting my music really loudly because music changes everything. It's so There's been a study out recently where music is so complex in the brain that it actually unlocks doorways that nothing else can. And it isn't just notes. It's frequency. Everything is frequency. We are electromagnetic beings. And I a thousand percent believe, and I hate people who say a thousand when there's only potential to be a hundred percent. So I'm going to reframe that. I a hundred percent believe that the flow that we have within life itself is smoothed by allowing our frequency to fit into the frequency of the world around us. And that doesn't mean we have to be holier than thou all the time. It means find your frequency, find the tune that you're here to play without all of these meanings and judgments and criticisms and these value attributes that we've been talking about today because every single one of those adds language and adds frequency of self-doubt, self-criticism, judgment, whatever. What are you making it mean about you is literally how are you altering your innate frequency by having a dampening effect on that side of your character. So for me, everything that I do with my clients, for myself, in this business that we have is all about allowing people to find and then start to resonate with and vibrate from their innate frequency rock and roll (laughs) and i have this like concept that there would be the potential and anyone can steal this idea and make it a thing if you would like to but to like put people in a like a frequencyless room and just play their specific harmonic frequency to them and it would allow for massive healing to take place on a cellular level. Well, isn't that the 520, is it the 528? Uh, 528 hertz? So no, so that's just a, a, a tuning frequency. So everything's at 440 and you can increase it to whatever and you can change it. And that's just, we're still playing with constants at that point. What's your unique vibrational frequency brace? Because it's completely different to mine. And I think it's somewhere hidden. I have hidden. no idea. Right, and I think it's somewhere hidden in the genetics and in the human design and in the gene keys, all of which I do. And I do, and like I have these existential conversations with people who are in this world because all of these things have a frequency. All of those 64 archetypes have a vibrational essence. And it's like, how can we play the perfect note so that it can affect massive healing? And to be well, fair, sound mm. healers try and do this. They try and, you know, that sound healing is super powerful because it's playing with the frequencies to shift things within you. But I just wonder what, I always say that truth is a resonant frequency. Truth is vibrationally accurate, like your truth, the truth. And I just wonder what, what it would be like to just play somebody's actual melody to them. This is, again, a super meta conversation and nobody has to agree with me, but there will be the odd person out there who's like, get it. Got it. So I guess there would be the frequency that you were born with before any influence has tapped into your life. But mm. as soon as we come out of the womb, immediately it starts to shift. Mm-hmm. So what is the frequency that we're with? And is that also affected by how the mother is doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, so it's like, okay, well, when, when we get to frequency, are we talking about physical or spiritual? Because, you know, I'm of the philosophy that we are 
souls having a physical journey. So is it the soul that has a pure frequency to begin with? And as soon as it enters the body, then that starts to shift uh, for it. And can we even reach that purity level until we have released the soul from the physical body when we pass? I guess the the only people that I could even think of that would even get close to it would be, you know, a Buddhist monk for a, a split second that, you know, reached some semblance of a nirvanic type of state. Yeah, I'm just so talking it, now. Well, I think it depends what you're talking about. So I'm not imagining to get back to soul level frequency because mm. that I think only happens at death. I think mm. there's a beauty to death when mm -hmm. you actually return to mm -hmm. oneness. And that's when you find that connection to consciousness. But mm -hmm. what about your innate human frequency? Not necessarily just physical, but every energetic that you were born with in your energy bodies. So not soul level, which I kind of connect to consciousness, but the mm -hmm. energy bodies that you incarnated into having in this lifetime. What happens if you could... Because then it's the moment that you're born, you're right, you start to get dirty, basically. You start mm, to clog up mm. all of the openness that you have with fear, essentially. Mm -hmm. And fear is a is a driving force of humanity. And I think that a lot of the times we're always trying to escape the fear and we never really turn around and embrace the fear. Mm. And I think that in that running and escaping the fear, we tend to accumulate stuff. So... There's that uh, adage of the rolling stone gathers no moss, whereas I see it completely differently. It's like the more you're running from your innate, inbuilt human fear, the more baggage you pick up on along the way, because the more more dusty you get with kind of perceptions and craziness. Well, I mean, the further distance, if you're a rolling stone, the further distance you get to your most authentic right self right and everything that we're doing in coaching is like trying to bring that stone back back to and so this this back to the origin point is where i think that somehow i'd love to do myself out of a job and just have a music booth where i could just play somebody's frequency because i am physiologic i know how powerful re resonant frequencies are mm -hmm. for shifting things mm -hmm. and i just wonder if there's some science somewhere where we could get people back to their innate i mean there's a gazillion problems with this like how do you know what people's innate frequency is and like all the, all the things mm. but in essence what we are trying to do within this the work that we do but with the podcast that we have how we show up in the world is allow people to recognize that they originally didn't have any of this baggage and where does this baggage come from and how much easier is it to climb up the mountain that is life if you are only carrying the right baggage and you're putting all the baggage down that you don't need to be carrying and meaning just actually <laughs> get back to the topic of the podcast but meaning and the meaning you attribute to to things is huge weight back of baggage. It's a huge weight of baggage, and so yes. we get to go. Mm, what do I make? What am I making this mean about me? And what changes if I make it mean something different? And I think that's a perfect place to stop. Yeah. And I think we've said everything that needs to be said enough to, to twist your noodle around uh, a little bit and give you an opportunity just to reflect on your life. Mm. And I think over the last two podcasts, we've gone super into the weeds as I knew we would. And I'm sort of feeling like <laughs> we may have lost a few listeners. Um, but why? Uh, well, because people are like, oh, so weird. Just give us practical tools. But, oh, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, we may get there. That's but okay. Realistically, 
This stuff matters. It matters more than anything. Well, if we give you a ton of practical tools on this podcast, congratulations, you've got practical tools. Which you can use to manage what you're moving through. So you're managing, but what about, wow, wouldn't it be better if you were just healed and transformed and Mm. I don't want to say different than you are now, but a more authentic version of what you are, a lighter version. Mm. So... We hope that that has given you an insight into how important meaning is to start off with and how how we're doing it all the flipping time. Like, even at the end of this podcast, Bryce and I are going to, like, stop and we're going to go, what did you think? And it'll be like, well, we're tributing meaning. It was what it was. Let it go. But we won't do that because we're going to be like, how how did you think that went? Again, meaning. And so we're doing it all the time and we get to release all of the tension that we hold around, things that we make things mean. Yeah. Just by examining it. Yeah. Every, everything that you may feel powerless around, mm-hmm. just this simple concept can empower you greatly. Mm. Things are not as they necessarily appear to be. Mm-hmm. You have a tremendous power and only you have that power. I mean, you the power well, of you is a book. And you can give it away. So you can make other people and their opinion mean way more to you than your own. Yes. But you get to claim that all back. back. <laughs> Boom. Let's just I, I we could yeah. yeah, we could keep going, but uh, I I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I I've love this stuff. I love getting to talk and uh, uh, kind of mess around with with the mind and all the and all the things and stuff. But that's what we do. That's what we get to do as coaches, uh, and we get to help people do that to themselves with us as a guide. Mm-hmm. And huge breakthroughs mm. happen in 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 this world. Mm. Oh, and just to be clear, I do have these met- metaphysical conversations with my clients, like. I have to. Why wouldn't you? Well, I have to. It's like, how can you... Hmm. I do think that somewhere in the truth of what coaching is, is to allow people to have a framework of understanding themselves and the life that they're moving through, which empowers them. And if you're not having conversations about meaning and purpose and, you know, consciousness, you're not having those conversations, really. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So if you're interested in any of this and you want to work with either of us or both of us, we do do joint coaching, um, email us. Um, you can either email reach out at unveilenterprises.com or if you have a podcast-specific question or thought process or request, that's just podcast at unveilenterprises.com. Um, follow us on social media, find us, like us, share, subscribe, all, the, all of that stuff that you do with podcasts because we rely on you to get our... Um, our vibration out into the world. There you go. And with that, I'm Brace Harris. And I'm Victoria Fenton. And we are Unveiled.